What does God want? What does God want from us? What does God want from you? There's obviously a sense in that, in that answering that question where we could start in Genesis 1 1 and work all the way through Revelation 22 and we could talk about hundreds of things that we know that God wants from us. And we could spend sermons on top of sermons and years on top of years examining and searching out all of that stuff. But this morning, I want to demonstrate to you that I think there is one thing that God wants that, that demonstrates that if we get that right, everything else will just fall into place. And I want to ask that question this morning. What does God want? Before we answer it, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we love you so much. We pray that you would help us to love you more. You've loved us so much, and we're amazed as we've already remembered your son who died for us, the forgiveness that we have by his blood. As we've sang praises and remembered the great blessings that you have, the, the food that we've gotten to eat and the clothes we wear and the sunshine that we see this morning, the safety we've had this week, and we, you brought us all through this, this cold that we've been dealing with, which we're not used to. And Father, we pray that you would strengthen us to give you the grace and the thanks for excuse me, to give you the blessing and the thanks for all that you've done for us. We're thankful for the grace that you've given to us. And we pray that you would watch over us and protect us and guide us and help us to share your gospel with others. Help us to tell others what you've done for us and help us, Father, to live according to your live according to you will, your will. Father, thank you for loving us. We love you so much. Be with us this morning as we study your word. Help us to know what it is that you want from us and help us to give it to you. Strengthen us and empower us and embolden us to return to you what you've given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What does God want from us? I'll tell you. Very simple. You can read through Genesis all the way through Revelation, and especially there at the beginning of the Bible, there seems to be one thing that God is saying over and over again, some lesson that He is trying to impress upon us over and over and over again so that we'll get this point and we'll allow it to infiltrate our hearts and our minds and to govern our actions. And here's the key. God wants what's first. God wants what's first. We begin to see this all the way at the beginning in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 4. Adam and Eve raised Cain and Abel. And in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 4, it says that Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. Abel brought the firstborn. God wants what's first. Look in Exodus chapter 23. In Exodus chapter 23, as God is talking to the Israelites about the feast, that they're going to have is they're going to come and see God three times a year. In Exodus chapter 23 and verse 16, he says to the Israelites, you shall keep the feast of harvest of the first fruits of your labor, of what you sow in the field. And then in verse 19, this is Exodus 23:19, the best of your first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. First fruits. In Leviticus. Chapter 2, excuse me, chapter, chapter 2, verse 14. <laughs> About to lose my place there. In Leviticus chapter 2 and verse 14, he speaks to them again about the offerings that they would give. And I know we often think about the animal sacrifice, but there was agrarian sacrifice as well. And it says in verse 14, if you offer a grain offering of 
first fruits to the Lord. You shall offer for the grain offering of your first fruits, fresh ears, roasted with fire, crushed with new grain, and you shall put oil on it and lay frankincense on it. It is a grain offering. And the priest shall burn as its memorial proportion some of the crushed grain and some of the oil with all of its frankincense. It is a food offering to the Lord. But what kind? The offering of first fruits. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 26. In Deuteronomy chapter 26, God was getting the children of Israel ready for when they would cross over the Jordan and go into the Promised Land. And in Deuteronomy chapter 26, beginning at verse 1, notice what he says these Israelites are supposed to do and say when they actually get into the land. Look at this. In Deuteronomy chapter 26 and verse 1, When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first of the fruit of the ground which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God is giving you. And you shall put it in a basket and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name to dwell there. And you shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket from your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall make a response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my father. And he went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number, and there he became a nation, a great, mighty, and populous nation. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house, you and the Levite and the sojourner who is among you. God said to them, look, all this stuff I'm going to give to you when you get there, you bring the first to me. He wanted what was first. Very interesting passage. Numbers chapter 15. Numbers chapter 15, beginning at verse 17. In Numbers 15 and verse 17, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land to which I bring you, and when you eat of the bread of the land, you shall present a contribution to the Lord. Of the first of your dough, you shall present a loaf as a contribution, like a contribution from the threshing floor, so shall you present it. Some of the first of your dough you shall give to the Lord as a contribution throughout your generation. The Israelites would come into the land, and when they gathered in the first fruits, they were supposed to bring a sacrifice, the first fruits to the Lord. Then when they started making their bread, they were supposed to make their first loaf to the Lord. And they're supposed to bring it as a gift. Isn't that amazing? But what do we see here? What does God want? God wants what's first. But it wasn't just about the sacrifices of the grain and the first fruits of their land. We see something even more integral in Exodus. Exodus chapter 13. In Exodus chapter 13 and verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, Exodus chapter 13 and verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast. And then down in verse 11. This is Exodus chapter 13 and verse 11. 
when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as He swore to you and your fathers and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all the first, all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with the lamb. Or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And when in time to come your son asks you what does this mean, you shall say to him, By a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a mark on your hand or frontless between your eyes, for by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. What do they want? God wants what first? He said He wanted the firstborn. And they were supposed to sacrifice the animals, they were supposed to redeem some, and they were supposed to redeem the firstborn of the, the people. Redeeming them because that belonged to God. In Numbers chapter 3, talked about this some more in Numbers chapter 3 and verse 11. God talked about how they dealt with this issue of having the firstborn. He says in verse 11, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Behold, I have taken the Levites from among the people instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the people of Israel. The Levites shall be mine, for all the firstborn are mine. On the day that I struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I consecrated for my own all the firstborn in Israel, both of man and of beast. They shall be mine. I am the Lord. He said, the Levites will be mine for the firstborn. He said, the firstborn's mine. I want what's first. But we'll make a little trade here. I'll take the Levites, and they'll stand in the place of the firstborn. And so they counted up the Levites, and in verse 39, they found 22,000 of them. And then in verse 40, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, List all the firstborn males of the people of Israel from a month old and upward, taking the number of their names. And you shall take the Levites for me, I am the Lord, instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel, and the cattle of the Levites, instead of all the firstborn among the cattle of the people of Israel. So Moses listed all the firstborn among the people of Israel as the Lord commanded, and all the firstborn males, according to the number of the names, from a month old and upward is listed, were 22,273. In verse 44, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel and the cattle of the Levites instead of their cattle. The Levites shall be mine. I am the Lord. And as the redemption price for the 273 of the firstborn of the people of Israel, over and above the number of the male Levites, you shall take five shekels per head. You shall take them according to the shekel of the sanctuary, the shekel of 20 gerahs, and give the money to Aaron and his son as the redemption price for those who are over. And it goes on and explains how that happened. But what you see here, what did God want? God wants what's first. God wants what's first. It belongs to Him. In fact, the Israelites were so impressed with that concept in Nehemiah chapter 10. When the Jews had been restored to their land after their captivities in Assyria and Babylon, and Nehemiah has become governor, and they're reinstituting their covenant with God in Nehemiah chapter 10 and verse 35. Notice what they say. In Nehemiah chapter 10 and verse 35, he says, We obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all the fruit of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord. Also to bring to the house of our God, to the priests who minister in the house of our God, the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle, as it is written in the law, and the firstborn of our herds and of our flocks, and to bring the first of our dough and the contributions, the fruit of every tree, the wine and the oil, to the priest. What did they, what did they learn? 
If we're going to reinstitute our covenant with God, God wants what first. And in Proverbs chapter 3, in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9, as the proverbialist is just telling us about wisdom, this is not a law, this is not a here's the law and the rule that you have to follow, this is just wisdom. And the proverbialist says in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. What does God want? God wants what? First. That's what He wants. And so it's no surprise then in the New Covenant that we come to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. And in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Jesus says to us, you know the verse, Seek first... His kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We're under a new covenant. We don't redeem our firstborn. We don't offer grain offerings to God. But what we learn is God still wants what's first. God wants what's first. In fact, in our adult Bible class on Wednesday night, we looked in Luke chapter 9, the end of Luke chapter 9, about verse 59. And we saw how Jesus rebuked those who seemed to put things before God. And in Luke chapter 9 and verse 59, to another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What's the problem here? The problem is what is first in their lives. God wants what's first. He wants our first thoughts. He wants our first words. He wants our first efforts. He wants our first actions. He wants our first love. In every situation, He wants us to consider His will first. In every decision, He wants us to think about Him first. In every relationship, He wants us to put Him first. God wants what's first. God wants what's first. He deserves that. And we need to give it to Him. So let's take this a step further. Because you see, what the Scripture demonstrates is that God has made us first. Go back into the old law again and let's look at Israel for a moment in Exodus chapter 4. In Exodus chapter 4, as God is telling Moses what he's going to do and what God wants Moses to do about going back to Pharaoh, in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 22, he says to Moses, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. What is Israel? Israel was God's firstborn. That's how he, were, that's how he viewed him. I, I understand this is a metaphor, and we're going to be looking at some metaphors that refer to some different things, and we can't take these metaphors too far. I just can't help but notice God wants what's first, and how did he view Israel? He viewed Israel as what was first. Israel was his firstborn son. I just want you to notice, you remember how 
Pharaoh and Egypt killed off the children of Israel? And they were afraid that they were getting too big and too much and how, how they, when, when the Jews would have children, they would try to toss them into the river. They were killing God's firstborn. And God says, you let my firstborn go or I'm going to take your firstborn. God wants what's first. Look in Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 3. In Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 3. Again, talking about the nation of Israel. In Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 3, God says, Israel was holy to the Lord, notice this, the first fruits of his harvest. All who ate of it incurred guilt. Disaster came upon them, declares the Lord. Israel is the first fruits. Everybody who ate of it, they got judged. Again, that goes back to Egypt. Why? Because they ate of the first fruits. They didn't honor the first fruits of God. But we need to understand that as time has gone on, as God has continued His plan, there's been a little bit of a change. We understand from Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, that circumcision is nothing, that whether our parents were Jews or Greeks is nothing. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28. Let's back up to verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Galatians 6.16 talks about the Israel of God. Those who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, and we have become the Israel of God. What does God want? God wants what's first. We are now the Israel of God who are God's firstborn, God's first fruits. But He doesn't just say that about Israel, and we have to try to connect the dots. Look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, Paul talks about the church, and specifically the church at Thessalonica, and he says in verse 13, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. The idea is not that they were the first to be saved, but rather those who are saved are the first fruits. You see that? What are we? We are God's first fruit. Now look in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 23. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 23. As he talks about Christians and where we've come, he says we've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. And in verse 23 he says, to the assembly, <coughs> excuse me, or your translation may say church, to the assembly of the first born. Now, if you're not careful, you'll read over that and think he's just saying you've come to the church of Christ. That's not who he's talking about there. Keep reading. You have come to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. Now, I know some of you don't like grammar, and that's okay. The thing you need to understand is are is a plural verb. The church of the Firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. The firstborn there is not talking about Jesus who is one. It's talking about the saints who are many. If it's talking about Jesus, it would say the firstborn who is. That's the singular. Okay? The firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. Who are God's firstborn? In this sense, he's talking about us. Now just think about what this means. What does God want? God wants what's 
first. We're the first fruits. We're the firstborn. What does God want? God wants us. God wants us. God wants us to give ourselves to Him. God wants us to give ourselves over to Him. And this is not just some kind of arbitrary rule. This is really a matter of life and death. We give ourselves over to God and we let Him have control. We, we devote ourselves to Him or death is the result. Giving ourselves to God is what produces life. God wants what's first. And that's us. He wants the first from us, but He wants us. He wants everything we to do to be about Him. He wants everything we say to glorify Him. No, listen, this doesn't mean that I'm in church all day, every day. But when I'm on my job and I'm making widgets, I do it to glorify God. When I'm talking to my friends, I do it to edify and glorify God and to demonstrate the positive example that God wants. God wants us. And He wants us all the time. He doesn't just want us on Sunday. He wants us all the time. And we need Him. We need to put Him first. Why put Him first? Not because He commanded. I'll tell you why you need to put Him first. Because whatever you put before God, you'll lose. Whatever we put before our relationship with God, We'll lose. I don't care if it's your family, if it's your job, if it's your education, if it's your if it's your money. Anything that you put before God, you will lose. We will lose what comes before our relationship with God. Luke chapter ten, verses thirty eight through forty two. We read it in our scripture reading this morning. Did you notice what Jesus said about Mary in Luke chapter ten, verses thirty eight through forty two? Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled by so many things, but only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good part, and that will not be taken away from her. Did you catch that line? That will not be taken away from her. Do you, do you understand what that means about everything else? Everything else will be taken away. If we put stuff before God, we're going to lose it. We may lose it in this life. We may lose it in the judgment. But sooner or later, we're going to lose it. Anything we put before God. Is going to be lost. We may think that we can preserve our marriage by putting our wife or our husband first, but that's not going to happen. We may think that we'll preserve our kids by putting them first, but that's not going to happen. We may think that we can preserve our financial security by putting our job first, but that, that won't happen. Anything we put before God, we're going to lose either in this life or the next. Look in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 and verse 24. 
in Luke chapter 9 and verse 24, For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. I know that seems a paradox. See, the problem is if we even put our own lives before God, He says we're going to lose it. Here's the, here's the crazy thing. If we want our life to be preserved, we have to put God first. I'll tell you why. The reason is, is when we're not putting God first, sin is just going to be in our lives. There's just not anything you can do about that. You can't put God second and have sin not be part of your life. And when sin gets to be part of your life, and if sin is taking over in your life, it's going to take things from you. It'll take your relationships. It'll take your friends. It'll take your family. It'll take your job. It'll take all these things. And then in the end, it'll kill you. But what's even worse, if somehow you are able to maintain some seeming semblance of having it all together for this entire life, you're going to stand before God in judgment, and if you haven't put Him first, all that's going to be lost anyway. You see, the reality is, husbands, if you really want to put your wife first, put God first. Wives, if you really want to put your husbands first, put God first. Parents, if you really want to put your children first, put God first. If you really want to put your job in its proper place, put God first. God will take care of the rest. Whatever we put before growing with God, we're going to lose. This is not just some arbitrary rule. This is not just something for us to talk about. This is life and death. Here we are, these people that struggle with sin. There's only one way to overcome that. And that's to be in God and get closer to Him because He's the only one that can beat our sin. And anything we try to hang on to more than we try to hang on to God is going to be lost because of our sin. What does God want? God wants what's first. And we need to give it to Him. Here's what's really amazing about that. When we hear that, when we hear that God wants what's first, when we hear that God wants us, that can make us a little resentful. Why would God ask so much? Why would He create a world so that it works this way? We might get just a little bit upset, but here's the thing I want you to understand. That God has not asked anything of us that He wasn't willing to give us. Because you see, God wants what's first, but God gave us His first. God gave us His first. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 20. I just want you to notice what God calls Christ. Again, another one of these metaphors. We can't take this too far. I just want you to see that this is how He viewed Christ. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
He saw Jesus as the first fruits. I want you to notice Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 6. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 6. How does he refer to Jesus? We'll start back in verse 5 so we get the context. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. Now we know who he said that to, right? He said that to Jesus. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all of God's angels worship. What is Jesus? Jesus is God's firstborn. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he, that is his Son, might be the firstborn among many brethren. What's Jesus? Jesus is God's firstborn. The first fruits. What does God want? God wants what's first. But He gave the first. First. He's not asking of us something He wasn't willing to do Himself. In fact, He gave Himself entirely to us in the form of His firstborn. As Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19 says about Jesus that the fullness of God dwelt in Him in bodily form. God wants what's first. He wants us. But He did that for us first. He gave His first. He gave Himself to us. And now He's just basically asking, how do you feel about what I did for you? How important was it? Was it important and great enough that you'll give me your first? What does God want? God wants what's first. 